podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show, it's Nigel Rothman back in the chair with the very last show of the 2015-16 season. It's our end of season party and there are no suspicious packages, so the show will go ahead. You'll be pleased to know. And with me in the studio, we've got loads of people, just loads of people. So it'll take half an hour to read through them. Starting with a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello, hello. A view from a stato, Paul Denby. Evening. A view from Windsor Castle, Rob Barron, CTID. Hello there. A view from Kent, Joe Doherty. Evening. And a view from a dark, miserable place, Lisa Rabinowitz. Thank you. But you are pretty miserable. You look at your tweets and you have been deeply depressed most of the season. With good reason. So it's been, thank God this season's over, Lisa. I think is our starting point tonight. I am delighted it's over and looking forward to a more positive season next season. Hopefully, if we qualify... (laughs) Champions League. Do you think we will? Yes. I think, I, is it 19-0 oh. we've got to win, or 18-0? 19 clear goals. Yeah. Yes. So I think we should be all right. Even with Marcus Ratchet, I think we still, we still should be all right, shouldn't we? Excellent. Uh, so, uh, frustrate, frustrating season. What's been the most frustrating part for you, Stephen, always? I think probably the fact that since the sixth game of the season, we could all see it wasn't going quite right. And for the remaining 32 games, nothing really changed. The first five games, won five, scored lots of goals. um, And we've never come close to recapturing that form. And I'm sure we'll go into far more detail on the manager and the players. But we've never shown any signs of turning it around. We've been caught so far behind everybody else. It's, it's been frustrating in that nothing's changed. It's been the same predictable football, the same predictable results in the big games. And I think from, from January onwards, everyone just looked forward to next season starting. People, people have said, Rob, that the announcement of our new manager um, had a, an impact. And I know around this table and around in this studio every week, we've all consistently said it's a non-issue, was not even relevant. But a lot of the commentators... Um, have said that that was a bit of a turning point. Now, since that announcement was, was made, that you know, we, we switched off. Well, there's no doubt that in, in hindsight it did have an impact. But the truth is that the team was desperately in need of restructuring before the announcement was made, and it only exacerbated a situation the core issues were that the team was leaderless without company, it was hopelessly deficient at defending, it gave the ball away, it was dreadfully inconsistent, and it showed a frightening lack of passion. And all of those things uh, uh, need to be addressed by the new manager. All the manager's fault then, Joe, completely. That's that's, that's all it is. Uh, no, I don't think it's all the manager's fault. I think he's got a lot to answer, answer for this season, but there's no doubt that we've been extremely unlucky with injuries. I think I don't want to sound a bit like an Arsenal fan here, but they have 
clearly taken their toll and De Bruyne, Nasri and Silva all being out at once was clearly didn't do us any good. But equally, there's no excuse. Injuries are not an excuse for a team of that quality still to not turn up for so many games this season and just look so lethargic and uninterested. So I think there's got to be a bit of blame on every dished out to everyone at the club from the top down really for this season. So, Paul, we've had company, we've had defending, we've had inconsistency, we've had lack of passion, we've had injuries. So it sounds like a load of excuses here. Are we... No, I think there's a combination of all of I think they're all true. Pellegrini has got the third best managerial record over the three years in terms of win percentage. He's had a very poor last season, the third season. The first two seasons were OK. It's the first season he won the league and the league... Don't anybody tell me that he inherited Mancini's squad and therefore won it with Mancini's squad because Mancini didn't win the league the year he left, so that's a false argument. He's, he's not been as good as he could have been, but I'm going to be a little bit controversial and say he's done a decent job and we're not going to win the league every year because there's more competition there nowadays, as has been proven this particular season. And lots of other teams are now going to start challenging as well because they'll have some money around. So Pellegrini's not been great. The, the quality of football this season hasn't been great for the standards that we are expecting. But I'm not totally blaming Pellegrini for everything. I think the club has got a lot to answer for in terms of the way it's handled the Guardiola issue. And we have been unlucky with injuries to key players. And that really has... Company has been absolutely fundamental to City the last three or four years. And his injury has really taken its toll this season. But the manager's got to take some flack, hasn't he, surely? I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the, the poorest squad. It was very expensively assembled. And, you know, you, you, you've got to put the, the blame at the manager's door. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and, and give you the opportunity, Lisa, because I know you've not yeah. been a, a Pellegrini fan. I know Mancini, you love the way he wore his scarf. And uh, you're less impressed with this man. And you're glad to see yeah, the back of him. Yeah, he didn't wear a scarf. Um, <laughs> I, I am glad to see the back of him. Just because I... I think he failed almost in every season. I know we won the league. I know we've won two cups. How but I, say, how I, can you say that? Is one that is because we didn't we didn't progress at all. We we won the league against a Liverpool side that should have won the league and messed up. I know. No, you can only beat what's in front of you. And yes, we had the most points at the end of the season. Therefore, we were the best team. But that papered over a lot of cracks that were already showing which meant we didn't address problems for the next season, which we could all see defensively. For example, the company thing, yes, it's a problem, but who, and I don't know if this was Pellegrini's fault or not, but why wasn't that addressed at the end of last season properly? Why did we not address the fact that we have no decent cover at left back? And why do you consistently not appear to have a plan B? Or even a plan A, some might argue. who's got all the answers to that because he writes the most amazing blog every week and has got 47 million followers. And he's going to tell you now, and his name is Stephen Allwise. There is one line that I saw on Twitter, and I would love to take credit for it, sadly can't, which is that when Mancini left and Pellegrini came in, the Etihad was a fortress. Now that he's gone, it's a bouncy castle. <laughs> which I think is brilliant. We've... Pellegrini, I would slightly disagree with Lisa in that I thought his first season was very good. The football was exciting, it was entertaining, it was free-flowing. It was everything that that squad of players should be able to produce. Scored lots of goals, won the league, albeit on the last day of the season. And, and I think everyone was probably quite positive at the time. The last two seasons, I think the regression has been quite scary. 
and there's never been any signs that it's going to switch around never no one's come up with any ideas and there's an argument that recruitment is a big issue because i think we all know the squad's getting older and there's clearly been a drive to bring in younger players mangala delft de bruyne they're all that early 20s age bracket but the quality hasn't been there and we would all agree that de bruyne has been an excellent addition has sterling improved the team has delft improved the team mangala there's a lot of these players who are on the fringes i think we've got a brilliant first 11 Behind that, I don't think we've got the squad depth that pundits or neutrals talk about so often. And with all the injuries, it's been shown that we don't have the the players to come into the side to take us forward. But, but Rob, Ball is not wrong, is it? You know, we, we've got to the Champions League semi-final. We've won some silverware, you know, and and we've got into the Champions League again this season. I mean, you, you remember it wasn't that many years ago. We were in the third tier of English football. So I used to tell wrong. my children to be excited and happy because we were top of the bottom four so let's not have any of uh undermining Pellegrini for winning the the Premier League something that so few uh city managers have achieved the problem with Pellegrini was demonstrated after the game yesterday where Yaya Torre persuaded him to take his jacket off and give it to the crowd. And it was as if Pellegrini was being asked to do something so dangerous and so something that he, he'd never thought about. It was like uh, a parent telling his son to behave. And unfortunately, Pellegrini is emotionally repressed in a way which hasn't been able to inspire the team. And when you don't have company around, then uh, they're desperately short, short of leadership. But what, what, where I do agree is that you can't spend £42 million on a player like Mangala and expect everything to be okay. He's been an absolute walking disaster area all season, or for two seasons now, and something has to be done about it. I agree completely on Mangala. Hasn't solved our defensive issues at all. Rob's made the point, and I think it's a perfectly valid one, that the lack of emotion from Pellegrini is something that the fans struggle to get behind Mancini for all his faults was someone you could identify with you knew that he wanted to do well for himself obviously for the team but for the fans and there was that bond and I genuinely think and I hope this isn't being melodramatic but in 10 years time I think we'll struggle to remember who Pellegrini was because there is no attachment whatsoever that was the first time Pellegrini has acknowledged the away end. Interestingly, Yaya for the first time in however many years actually came over to the away end. Mm. And it's all those little touches of players not acknowledging the away support, the total lack of warmth between the fans and manager that I do think he's quite a forgettable character. I, I, I know somebody won't forget it because, Joe, I have to say the blue blazer with the Man City crest on the breast pocket looks very, very smart on you this evening. Oh, thank uh, you. Looks, you've done well to get that. I so, did. Uh, I, was, I, ran down, I ran from Kent all the way up to Swansea to be there for the last final whistle to get the blazer and everything. And, but no, I'd like to talk about this Champions League semi-final and there's no doubt we improved in Europe this season. That's brilliant. But I'd like to know, and I do blame Pellegrini for this, what is the bloody point of getting to the Champions League semi-final if once you're there, you're going to show no balls, no passion, no motivation, just play like that? It was so piss poor in that second leg. And, you know, I do blame Pellegrini for that because 
you've got to have a manager on the sidelines, which I think Pep's going to be for us next season. He's going to get them going at least the last 20 minutes when we really need a goal out there. And it just never happened. And that was really frustrating to watch. The Real Madrid semi-final. Let's be honest, we only lost to an own goal. That's Pellegrini's excuses. No, it was a terrible <laughs> performance, wasn't it? I mean, that, that was the poorest, not the poorest performance of the season. Real Madrid are a decent team. They're not world beaters. They're a very good team. But the lack of effort in that game just summed up the season to a large extent in that we just didn't show the drive and motivation to actually go for that final goal. All right, Aguero had that shot in the 80-something minute that went just over the bar. Other than that, in the last 10, 15 minutes, we just didn't look like scoring. That one goal could have taken us to the final in a week on Saturday. And what would we be talking about now had he done so? Pellegrini might have been seen in a slightly different light had he got us to the Champions Mm -hmm. League final. But... History will say he didn't. Whether we'll remember him in 10 years' time, not sure. We'll wait and see. We'll maybe make a note of this in 10 years. Not to mention we basically threw away the FA Cup to be in that stage of the Champions League and to, to then not bother turning up was just adding insult to injury. I think quite a few of us were a little bit annoyed with the way we didn't bother with the FA Cup. So. Can I turn this around in a slightly more positive vein? Because I think we've talked about you know, our honest feelings. So let, let's talk positively uh, about the season. Um, and, and, and Rob, maybe you can kick us off here in terms of... I'll, I'll kick off with one, and that's maybe his performance at the weekend aside. But uh, Kelechi Hernacho's you know, emergence... You know, he's in terms of ratio. Our stato will tell us it's you know every seventy-three minutes or something he scores a goal, and I think sort of comes out on top of all the uh, all the Premier League scorers as, from from what I've read anyway. So Kelechi's emergence and his performances has been one of the highlights of this year. Would you say? Absolutely, uh, I think he's been uh, thrilling to watch. He's had very few uh, opportunities, and when he's had them, he's taken them, and uh, he's he's outclassed Bonnie in every respect. What we didn't see yesterday was any kind of partnership with uh, Aguero, which was uh, disappointing from, from that point of view. But he's got huge potential, and that's very exciting, and it hasn't been credited. The only, the only problem about that is there's so few other people that you can point a finger to and say they're in the same league. I agree. I think that uh, it's nice to see Inacho come up, but... First, you've got to realise it's not the same as the old days when a young player would come up from the academy. It wouldn't be the same if, say, Brandon Barker came and made it. He's someone we did sign only a year ago. He's only had about six months in the academy. So, And I think we didn't really have a choice but to use him this season, given that we didn't buy anyone else and and that we bought him, we think, I think, for not for the not-too-distant future. In terms of him outclassing Barney, I think that's damning with the faintest praise, frankly. I think, you know... I don't think you can look much into that. But I do think that he's a player that we'll need to use a lot more in the future. And yes, it's been nice to see him come through, but I'm still frustrated Pellegrini didn't realise that earlier, you know? Can I take a bit of an issue with that? Iheanacho is not anywhere near the finished article yet. I know he's only a young lad. He was absolutely terrible yesterday. Mm. And in quite a few other games, he knows how to finish when he gets there. Don't get me wrong, he will be a good player. But his link-up play and the rest of it doesn't hit me yet as being an all, getting anywhere near being an all-round performer. He's got a lot to do. He'll score goals. And I know that's what a striker should do, but I think it's, the rest of his play needs a lot of development to make him a top, top-class player. I agree with Paul on this. There's a stat, I think, that Rashford, who made his debut in February, has played more minutes this season than Kelechi, which is 
damning on Pellegrini that if he hasn't really realised what a talent he has on his hands. But at the same time, for where we are and we want to be, at absolute best, Kelechi should be third choice. There is no way that in an important game where you're trying to qualify for the Champions League, he should not be a starting. He's a kid with talent. Uh, his first touch, I think, is poor at times. He, his body position doesn't, I mean, far be it from me to say, but he doesn't seem to be able to control the ball and, and see what's going on at the same time. He can finish, but what we've lost this season is that fourth striker, or in effect the second and fourth striker, who score at least 10 goals each. Aguero, we know, is brilliant, but misses a third of every season. Bonnie, I, hands up, I thought he'd be a very good signing for us, but hasn't fitted in at all to the way we play. But in previous seasons, whereas we've had Negredo, who would score 15+, plus, Jekka would score 15+, plus. Nasri will have chipped in, Silva will have chipped in. We haven't had that this season. We we And our defenders don't score, which is when you look at Mangala hasn't scored, I don't think, all season. Company has one or two. Otamendi, I think, has got one. It's The goals just haven't been there. De Bruyne has come in and done well. But if you take Aguero out of the team, I think you're hard-pressed to say where City's goals will come from. These are the positives, just to remind everybody here. So we started with the positives. Of Can the I throw out one name for positives? Oh, please, that would be good. My choice for player of the season is someone I don't think gets enough credit, is Fernandinho. Here, here. Same here. I yep. Think, yeah. So is that your positive then, Lisa? Is it you'd, you'd like to stick with Fernandinho? Yeah, Fernandinho would definitely be my player of the season. He's he's had the odd one or two poor games, but I think when generally if he hasn't played, we've really no- I've really noticed that he's not been on the pitch. He and he occasionally pops up with a pretty decent goal as well. So, uh, any other positives then from you, then Rob, that you'd like to chuck on the table? We've had uh, Fernandinho. We're going to come on to our sort of uh, players of the year. There, and, there are lots uh, of positives. You know, so it's a privilege to to see Aguero play, even when he's not uh, at his best, and he clearly wasn't against Real Madrid, which was disappointing. I think De Bruyne has been thrilling. This year, and he he comes very close to being player of the year in in my view, but I don't dissent from from Fernandinho. And the other player who it's wonderful to watch, despite all the criticisms, is Joe Hart, who time and again has saved City with thrilling saves, and he's the best goalkeeper in England and possibly in Europe, and we shouldn't shouldn't forget that. I, I agree. If Joe Hart would catch some crosses as opposed to punching some more. His distribution, I think, is improving. I actually saw in the last two or three games, or four or five games, his distribution is improving. It has been weak. If he could catch the ball more than those punches, I would go exactly with what you're saying, Rob. And I think we'll be looking for an improvement next season in that area. Everything else he does is fantastic. So what, what do people make of all the talk that Guardiola wants to bring in another keeper? Because the reasons we hear that Hart's distribution isn't good enough for a sweeper keeper. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea for us to do that because we can't go into a new season and expect to do much next year if we completely change all 11 players. We've got to have some stability in the squad and Joe Hart is not a player who's at the front of our minds when we think of players we want to ship out, really. So I, would, I think it's ludicrous to consider it. I don't mind this idea of getting in another keeper who could compete with him a bit more because much we like Caballero for what he did in that final, he's nowhere near as good as Hart. But no second-choice keeper will be. No second-choice keeper, with the possible exception, actually, of Begovic at Chelsea, which is a bizarre move because he doesn't play if Courtois fit. It's hard to think of a good enough second-choice keeper to challenge Hart who would sit on the bench. It's true. 
It would need to be someone quite young, mm. probably who has. But then we we wouldn't necessarily know that they were going to be as good as Hart is. I think Hart is the least of our concerns. Like goalkeeping position is the least of our concerns. So for that reason, I would leave it. So, so looking forward, Lisa, where where do you think we need to strengthen them? What sort of new faces are you looking forward to? And uh, you've got three where, and a half three and a half hours <laughs> starting now. Um, we need a left back. <laughs> At least one. We need a right back. At least one. We need probably two centre marks. So we need a defence. Um, <laughs> but probably again, like obviously the company question is one that we might not know the answer to for a while. But I just we 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 can't rely on him being fit at any point. And so I wouldn't. You can't change everything. You're getting, you're asking for too much. Like Joe said, to to change everything is ridiculous. But I think we could do with a winger. Paul, do you, do you see as sort of wholesale changes? I mean, is Pep going to come in and, and make sort of seven or eight signings in, in almost every single part of the field? Is that the way he's going to rebuild or is it going to be more gradual than that? I don't see him doing that. I think we do need a lot of signings. I think Lisa's right. We do need a left back. I think Cleach is OK. Kolarov has got to go. Um, Zab, I love him dearly, but I'm not sure that he's got the leg left in him. Sanya's had a very good season uh, on the whole. We need cover at centre-half without a doubt. Even if company is going to be recovering, we can't risk it next season. Denea hopefully is coming back. And I'm not sure what he'll deliver because he's not been tested in the Premier League properly. That Mangala's got to go because he's, he's, there's a mistake in him virtually every game. Otamendi, I think the jury is out. So we need, need at least one centre-back. And then you go through the rest of the team and you think, our midfield is reasonable. I think on the whole, if Silva can get himself fit, we've got De Bruyne... Sterling, yes, I've got, you've got to give him another season. You've got Navas, who, again, the jury can be out. He's a very frustrating player, but he does work very hard, and he's had some good games as well. We need up front as well to support Iheanacho and Aguero. We've got to get somebody else to cover there. I think there are probably three facets to Guardiola joining. One is, or the, the squad for next season. One is that we will sign people. How, how many players, none of us are quite sure, and for how much money. But two is that, he will bring kids through and there will be one or two kids, I'm sure, in pre-season who go on tour and just catch his eye. And whether it is a Brandon Barker who can take on players, whether it's a, a Tosin at centre-back, he'll just see something in a couple of players and he'll use them. But also, he'll, he will or he has to improve the players that are there. Someone like Delph, who isn't technically as good as a Silver or a De Bruyne, but will run and run and run and will adapt to this high-intensity pressing game. He's the type of player that if Guardiola and the coaches can work on his technique, could become a hugely useful player. And there will be others around the squad. If Sanya can start to put a ball into the box, like Zabaleta does, he turn into the complete right-back. So I think Guardiola has been brought in as much for the energy and, and the star attraction that he is, but also to improve, to coach the players that we have. I think there are several players in the squad who have frustrated us a lot this season, but we don't necessarily need to get rid of. They all just need Guardiola to come in and just say it to them as it is and just tell them to wake up a bit. And maybe if they pull their fingers out, they could all be significantly better players. I mean, Sterling really comes to mind there. Every week you hear people going about he's the best young English talent or that. You need someone to come in and just say to them, look, you've been really poor this season. You need to pull your finger out. And we could, we could potentially have one of the best young players in the world on our hands if you had the right manager for it. And I don't always think... I think Pellegrini could be a bit, 
bit too nice at times to some of the players and a bit too lenient with people like particularly like Sterling. I think that um, uh, it, the significant thing about Pellegrini is the player who's played most for him has been Navas, who to me is one of the most limited players in the City team because he works terribly hard, he's a good egg, a lovely man and so on, but he gives the ball away time and time again and his final passing is like Aaron Lennon's. And you can't be a Guardiola team and give the ball away to that extent, so I'm afraid he has to go. Goodbye, Jesus. We'll say goodbye properly um, towards it. We are going to come on to the City Awards, actually, uh, shortly. But before we do that, I just want to look forward to one or two other things. Uh, Navas to go. Who else has got to go, then? Is is Navas on your list as well? Yaya's on his way, isn't he? That was his last game. Great servant to the club, particularly in his first few years. Last couple of years, he's deteriorated, I'm afraid. So he's got to go. Kolarov's got to go. Um, Dimitrios is retiring, I hope. Or is going to play for Barnet or Berry or Bolton. <laughs> oh, <but he's> <laughs> that, that's a bit mean to Barnet and Berry. It is, you're right. Yeah. I'm being very unkind. But there's, there's a few other players that are proof. I'm not sure about Navas. I, I think um, he's, he works hard. He might be able to get... If, he, if the players could re- get into positions where... He tries to get crosses in. He needs to learn how to get a cross in. I see lots of shakes around the head. So, lots of, uh, excuse me, lots and lots of shakes. You know, he, he, all right, a minority uh, of one. I think, I think two. you are. I th- oh, two. Sorry, got I just want to stick up very momentarily for Demichelis. Go on then. Who Bri- very briefly, please. very briefly. <laughs> first, <laughs> first thank you very much. First, else? first six <laughs> months poor. Last twelve months poor. Those eighteen months in the middle, he was our best defender by a distance. When we won the league, that second half of the season, and there was one game against Hull that still sticks in the memory, mm. down to 10 men after 10 minutes, he was magnificent. The season after that, magnificent. Deteriorated very rapidly. It's the only <laughs> thing he's done rapidly. <laughs> Downhill this season, and he'll go back to Argentina, I'm sure. But at 4 million, I think he's been a very good signing overall. I suppose the bigger problem has been Pellegrini playing him when he shouldn't have been. And I've, I've often said this, I don't blame the players for the manager picking them and putting them on the pitch when it's quite clear there were better options available. A uh, couple of other things to look forward to before we come on to the, the awards for 2015-16. Um, and I know you're all going to be really excited when I say this. We've got new badge. The new badge. Who wants, who wants Joe? I know you will want to get excited. I know one or two around the table could not care less. But Joe, you will have a view, I'm sure. New badge, which means something. Well, Unlike yeah. the old one. Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's a nod back to the olden days. And I guess it's... <laughs> Thank you. Careful, youngster. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's. It, I think it's quite nice that the um, the you know you see clubs. Cardiff springs to mind, for example, where the uh, the owners want to take away the traditions of the club. They change the colour. They change the badge. Our owners are taking us back to the old club, and sort of it feels like a good connection with the fans. So on that level, I think it's a good a good thing to do from the owners. Uh, Rob, I know you've got a view. You always do on these things. I thought the uh, existing badge was naff. It was vulgar. It, it's, it looked as if it was from a club that was nouveau riche. And, you know, as someone said, whoever saw an eagle uh, flying over the River Irwell? I mean, it was just pretentious rubbish. Whereas the new badge is happily very much in the tradition of a club which has emerged from the 19th century and it shows... 
imagination to have done that. So let's talk about the kit then, Paul. You don't want to talk about the badge, but there is talk of blue shorts. And I need to talk about this. And you can, you know, you can all slap your foreheads and say, you know, don't, you know thank you. And you've got more forehead to slap than most around the table. So, Except you. In, indeed, you and me both. So, uh, blue shorts, white shorts, couldn't care less. I know what you're going to say. You're, you're going to think I couldn't care less, but it's got, the one thing I do care about is white shorts ah, and a, a blue top. That's all. Otherwise, we become Coventry City from the old days, and we are not Coventry City. I've heard Navy Navy is going to sort of feature as well in it as well, possibly a bit too much Navy. Uh, Should just be sky blue and white with white shorts, shouldn't we? At the, the end. W- the one good thing about this season has been the kit, actually. I think that's been the, I think the home kit this season has been great. It's the one season we've actually got it bang on, but next season I don't like it. Right, moving on. We've done the badge, we've done the kit. Um, we're now going to move on to... Uh, we're having a party here this, this, this week. Uh, this is the Man City Show Awards 2015-16, and we've got about ten categories, and we're going to whiz through these very quickly. I'm not necessarily going to ask all of you to comment on all of them. Uh, there may be a brief discussion about each, and I shall be the, uh, the arbiter, and I'll decide. So, player of the season, please. I, we've had only really a couple of names. But Fernandinho has been firmly put up there. Anybody strongly disagree with that? And we're all going to agree with Fernandinho as our player of the season. Well done to him. Uh, most improved player, please, Joe Doherty. Well, there's been a couple that spring to mind. I think uh, Bakary Sanya has been much improved this season, but I'd like to give it to Fernando because I think that he came in last season, he was so chastised, he was bollocked every week by us. I think he's been fantastic, particularly in the European games. There have been games you just need that bloke just to sit and hold in front of the back four. I don't think we've really had someone like that since Nigel de Jong sit down Javi Garcia. And I thought he Stand was... Stand back up, Gareth Barry. He was, he was a box-to-box, really. But yeah, OK, we'll give you that. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I think Fernando's been exceptional. I think he's been our best player in the last couple of months, actually. I think he's even outshone our player of the season. So I'm going Fernando for that. All shaking heads. No, we're, we're happy with uh, no, no other Sanya Fernando. No other comments. This is easy. Cliche as someone again yeah. who slips under the radar at times. Yeah. Okay, but Fernando it is uh, excellent. Goal of the year, please. Goal of the season, probably that should say. Goal of the season, Paul Denby. I'm going to give this to Yaya against Arsenal. I thought that was a superb goal. I also thought the Yaya goal against Kiev away was a well, it was only scored against them away, didn't we? Yaya against Kiev was also a classic goal. I can't think of too many other brilliant goals that we've scored this season, to be honest. Steven. I'm going to mention three very quickly. One, Kelechi in the last minute away at Crystal Palace, just for the celebrations. That was carnage. Two, De Bruyne, when we took the lead away at PSG. That felt like the moment we really arrived in the Champions League. And three, from those that I can remember, De Bruyne, I think it was against Bournemouth on his comeback after two or three months out. Lovely team move, volleyed it into the corner. It was just the class. Can I just, I agree with all that, but I also think that Sterling scored a great goal against Seville in, in the away game. And we shouldn't forget that because he's been rubbished by a lot of City supporters this year, but he has played quite well in Europe. Uh, I'm going De Bruyne against PSG at home. I thought. Just the way the place, just, it was all set up for a, a magnificent moment like that to take us into the next round. It was a stunning goal. I thought that was a fantastic performance by the team. It just epitomised everything that was good about that night and our few isolated good moments of the season. I'm going De Bruyne at home to PSG. I agree with you. It's the only thing I've cried about in a positive way this season. 
Well, if that's the case, if Lisa Rabinowitz has cried in a positive way, it's Kevin De Bruyne at home against PSG, wins goal of the season. Uh, save of the season. To, to, to me, there's only one. Uh, Hart from Payet's uh, free kick at West Ham. I was sat right behind that, so I saw it coming. That was top corner bound, and that was a superb save. Best of the season. There's one other possibility, which is Hart's save, penalty save uh, against Ibrahimovic, and I think that was a very key moment in City's season. For quality, I'm with you, Paul, but I agree with you, Rob. I think in terms of importance, that game... They came at us for the first 20 minutes. And if that had gone in, that could have been a completely different game. And they could have really got us in that match. But to save it and keep it out showed that we were... It, was, it sort of was the start of us showing that we were equal to them, I felt. And it showed that Hart wasn't phased. Well, he's done a few saves off world-class players. And, you know, just to add that to his repertoire was fantastic. In the spirit of sort of best saves, I don't think I can give a penalty save, although I know it was the importance. I'm, I'm going to go with the Pyatt free kick against West Ham as the save of the season uh, game of the year game of the season I think in terms of quality of performance Seville away it was the perfect uh, example of how to play away from home and he, he dropped De Bruyne or had him on the bench for that game which was bold but he had Navas and Sterling out wide just pace we played on the counter attack we were, we were out, absolutely outstanding and we all criticised him for his selection, I think, at the time, didn't yeah, we, as well? Absolutely. He really came in for a lot of cri- criticism. Wilfred Bonney's best game for City. His only good game for City, I think you'll find. Yeah, I think that's you now. Quite possibly, yeah. I want to go Chelsea away. In the, in the, in the FA, FA Cup. Cup. <laughs> yes, Chelsea away. I thought Alex Garcia was... No, Chelsea away in the league, because yeah. I know it all went again a bit but it sort of felt like we needed a good run just to get ourselves up there and I thought that Nasri, De Bruyne and Aguero it it showed us what could have been this season if we hadn't had so many injuries because the three of them together dismantled now I know they've been a bit shit this year but you know a top top side with a top defence and I thought it was brilliant to see us do them I'm going Seville away just because of our run in the Champions League I think trumps the uh, the Chelsea performance Uh, although I'd like to mention the the FA Cup per game as well because I was with the a view from a blue for that game, which was delightful. Uh, Never again. <laughs> Player you'd most like to give a lift to the airport to, Lisa Rabinowitz. Here is your this is moment. a really difficult one for me. Not. Not. Um, Alexander Kolarov. I've been waiting to give him a lift to the airport for five years. So. But you could now's argue, the time. But you could argue you need a small minibus this season. Yeah, I think to, you could. You could take the coach. Yeah. yeah. Team coach. Demichelis, Mangala, Kolarov, Yaya. Probably Bonnie. There's, there's quite a few of them with Pellegrini in the passenger seat. Uh, I'd like to take Zabaleta too because we could stop in Disbury Village and have some fish and chips on the way on the way there. And he'd be very interesting to talk to. I think he's been a great servant of the club. Uh, I'm going because Lisa Rabinowitz. I think we have to give her credit for her persistence, if nothing else. Alexander Kolarov is in the back of your car. Well done. He's on his way. Um, and we've only got uh, two more to go, um, and that is um, Chant of the Year. Stephen, you've travelled the country. Um, tell us your Chant of the Year. Could be an away, could be an away team, of course. I think it doesn't it, have to be the City crowd. I think it was the first time we wore our third kit. Very simple, we glow in the dark. Simple, clever, funny. Joe, you want to add to anything to that, or are we glowing in the dark? Are we going with that? Yeah, I like we're glowing in the dark. I was going to go with that. 
Also, when Ibrahimovic missed his penalty, you're just a shit Andy Carroll. Oh yeah, no, actually, yeah, I want to get. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, shit. We'll go shit Andy Carroll. Excellent. Please excuse my language, mum. <laughs> and finally, best or worst fans? Worst fans, City at home. I think we're terrible at home. We have no atmosphere at the Etihad except the occasional game. So, City at home, best fans I've seen, Palace away. Palace fans at their ground. Worst fans, uh, I don't want to be a bit cliche, but it's, it's the United fans. I've had such a problem with them this season. I went to the Swamp for the away game. They didn't sing in 90 minutes in a derby. Went to the game at our place. I nearly got hit by a coin by one of their fans. So, that just you know, sums up what we all know about them. Uh, best fans, it's got to be... I know... It's a bit of a, again, it's a bit of a cliche to to go along with fans who've gone through hard times. But I think the Villa fans this season have really stuck by their side, and they've made a lot of noise at away games this season. We're going Palace away. Thank you very much. Uh, listen, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, before we go, I really want to just say a few thank yous before we go. Uh, thank you tonight to Stephen, Paul, Rob, Joe, and Lisa. But generally speaking, to all our followers on Facebook and Twitter, to all the engineers who have recorded us each week and got it posted up there, thank you. To Playback Media for making it all happen. To all my guests for their insight and comment. And finally, and most importantly, to all of this, to all our listeners for making it all worthwhile. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next season. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.